Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to introduce uh, my fabulous guest, Cole Mahay. So welcome, Cole, and uh, please do take the stage and introduce yourself to my fabulous listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Sarah. Um, yes, as you say, my name is Cole Mahay, and what I specialise in is emotional intelligence and I help uh, senior leaders to develop more emotional intelligence skills, which I think is so needed at this moment in time. And of course, uh, develop cultures within organizations where people feel appreciated, valued, heard and seen. Which is absolutely fabulous. I mean, I've been to events that you've held in the past. I mean, obviously, as you said, we um, have discussed before that COVID has had an impact on that. Um, but your background prior to that, because for anybody that's listening, if you want to hear more of Cole's backstory, I, I interviewed Cole about 18 months ago on my YouTube channel during the, the height of lockdown. So he has a very interesting career background. So, Cole, could you just tell us a little bit more about your background and uh, where you were before you got to where you are now. <laughs> it's fascinating. It seemed so long ago now, but uh, yes, I spent 32 years in the, the police service working in Dobshire Constabulary. Uh, I rose to the dizzy levels of uh, temporary chief superintendent. I've pretty much uh, headed up any single department that you can think of and as an operational goal commander for serious and major incidents. But that was like seven years ago since oh, I left. Oh, wow. Yes. Seven ye- Is it really Time seven years since flown. you left? Oh, my gosh. Time has flown by. And wow. I've been so busy over the last seven years that uh, I have these beautiful, incredible memories of my time in the police service. But I'm really, really passionate and enjoying everything that we're doing right now. Yeah, but I mean, you brought about a lot of change, didn't you, in the police in terms of sort of equality and diversity uh, I mean you're, you're passionate in that area along with sort of that general emotion intelligence you know that's what sort of brought you to where you are now I guess absolutely I mean my style of leadership was always one where I wanted to connect with the people uh, that were working with me and for me I always had an hour of my day singled out in the morning and blocked out in the afternoon just so I could do management by walkabout what I used to term as MBWA Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was practicing it just felt right to me and it's only since I've you know become a specialist in emotional intelligence and do a lot of work with other organizations that I understand that that is is exactly what I was doing I was being an emotional, emotionally intelligent leader. Uh, so now I teach all of that to other organizations so that they can start practicing that. And a lot of organizations talk to me about diversity and equality and, you know, all of these kind of things and inclusivity. And all of these things I was passionately uh, involved in in the police service. You know, I was a founder member of the Black Police Association because when I joined the police service back in the early 80s, as it was then, um, it was a wholly different Uh, uh, you know atmosphere Mm -hmm. and um, you know I've experienced racism I've seen uh, sexism I've seen people behaving in ways that other people get hurt and I didn't think that was right or fair so I got involved with other uh, black and Asian officers and we created the movement that was a black police association and that has critically become a critical friend to the police service and helped change so many policies Um, now for me when I look at 
race, equality and diversity and all of these buzz phrases that come out. I think that so many organizations focus on diversity as an output target, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily change your organizations. Uh, and when you look around, so many organizations will talk about we need to increase the amount of uh, you know people of color that we recruit into our organization or more women or more people from the LGBT community. And that's all well and good. But my question is, what happens when they come into your organization? Mm -hmm. Do they think the same as you? Have they been to the same schools as the vast majority of people? Do they have the same li lifestyles? Do they live in the same areas? Because inevitably, if that is the case, what you're chasing is demographic diversity. But what you're not necessarily achieving is cognitive diversity. We live in these echo chambers. And if you have people who look different, but they're still saying the same things, you're just still in that echo chamber. So your decisions, the way the organization makes policy decisions will never really truly change. How you get real change is by creating a culture within your organization that encourages a diversity of opinion, a diversity mm -hmm. of thought, cognitive diversity, yes, yeah. where people feel such a level of value in the organization that they feel appreciated for the difference of thought that they bring to the party. And that's how organizations truly evolve. I mean, look at what we've been through in 2020 yeah. uh, with uh, you know the, the lockdowns and everything that came as a result of COVID and how organizations had to be agile and adaptable. They had to adapt very, very quickly absolutely. and evolve very quickly, didn't they? Instantly had to pivot completely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so many organizations struggled to do that mm -hmm. because they were stuck in a way of thinking and those organizations suffered as a consequence and yep. even now Sarah we're finding organizations suffering right now because so many are thinking hey COVID's over and done with the world has opened up again we can go back to requir requiring our people to come back to work yeah it's crazy isn't it I mean that th I think there's been such a such an a huge opportunity for organizations to think differently to change and it's demonstrated that this is possible to go back to that old way of being and thinking, it's about evolvement, isn't it? It's yeah. about development. And like you touched on as well, it's its valuing your employees. It's valuing what you bring to the table. It's looking at where their key strengths are. Because we, we aren't all one and the same. We're all part of the same thing. We're all part, for me, we're all part of the same energy. But we've all got different attributes that we can bring to the table, regardless of what our exterior being actually looks like or our background or whatever, because of the different cultural elements, there is, there's so many positives to bring, to, to bring together because we're, we've got so many different experiences. Every individual, even if they're in the same room, will experience being in that room in a different way, dependent upon their learning, their internal drivers. So it's about coming together, isn't it, as Absolutely, a whole yeah. and embracing that emotional intelligence to look at things from a completely different perspective, it's it's channeling it in and just moving forward, not going back. Surely yeah. not. <laughs> Surely not. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of organisations are thinking that uh, we can get back to normality, whatever normality mm -hmm. was uh, pre-COVID, uh, and that's as a consequence of that, we are now seeing something called the Great Resignation. Mm -hmm. More and more people are leaving their organisations because they don't feel valued uh, or they don't feel safe or they don't feel supported uh, by their bosses or by their organisations. 
What has happened as a result of COVID is that people have recalibrated what they believe to be their individual priorities. So they're going to work, not just looking for that paycheck at the end of every single month or what, what final, salary, uh, final figure they get at the end of every single year. They're saying, I want more than that. I want to feel supported when I go to work. I want to feel comfortable when I go to work. I want to feel that my organization understands me as an individual. So... Those organizations that are really going to excel now are those organizations that are pivoting, that are highly emotionally intelligent, that are highly Absolutely. empathetic with their staff, mm-hmm. uh, that really get the human needs of their staff. You know, it goes right back then to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes, yeah. You know, and people need to feel at the very, very lowest level, they need to feel that they are safe. They need to feel that they're fed and watered, that they are safe, that they feel part of a community, that they have a position within that community. Community. And then, only then, can they start looking at self-actualization uh, and whatever that means to that individual. Yeah, but it's about, I say again, coming back to that sort of, you say feeling safe, feeling valued. And when you, you feel valued and you feel safe, you give more as a result because you are receiving. But, you know, it's it's that whole bringing together, which then ultimately brings a sort of a, a more engaged workforce, a more engaged in organisation where people want to go the extra mile because they feel valued, not because they felt like they're just a commodity. As you know, when we hark back, you know, decades, I was watching a documentary where, you know, talking about chimney chimney sweeps, yeah. you know, and how life was cheap. But And it's not now. We've got to value, the individuals have to value themselves. The organisations have to value the individuals. Look at what it is that brings the company together to create some harmonious working to get that value out and i mean i think we're very much on the same page that we 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 like to bring happiness to the world don't mm. we hence hence being here on harnessing happiness yeah. <laughs> uh, because ultimately when you're talking about all of this emotional intelligence and educating employers to bring about that workforce it is so that everybody blends together and yeah. and, and and lives a happier life as a result and if actually if that then radiates out globally Maybe we've got to come back a few more lifetimes, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just think that the whole issue is so simplistic. Uh, and what organisations and leaders need to ask themselves is, uh, what's the value of my staff feeling happy? Well, uh, you know, it's maybe not as clearly tangible, but it's clearly obvious that the happy workforce is a productive workforce. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's as simple as that. There was a time when organisations, and there is still is still is that time when organisations might say to me, okay, as a result of your work, how can we demonstrate that there's an improvement? I said, well, look, you'll never directly be able to correlate your performance to the levels of happiness that exist within your organizations. But what I will say is, if you're focusing on your people and you're focusing on quality, your performance will look after itself. Too many organizations are so performance-focused, so uh, focused on the bottom line or the KPIs or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, the outputs, and they're not focused in on the outcomes. And this is a subtle shift in our mindset, focusing on the outcomes. I remember once going to a a sandwich factory, um, which was somewhere in the East Midlands, and this sandwich factory had 
one of the biggest supermarkets in the UK. They had that was the only contract that they had. Mm-hmm. They were making sandwiches for their supermarket. Yeah. And they didn't even have a contract with their supermarket. Oh, so wow. their supermarket It was their bread and butter It was the literally pun. their bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but this supermarket could have cancelled that to that, that that order today and that would be them out of business. Wow. So they realized that they literally could not keep for focusing in on performance. They had to focus in on what would create sustained improvement in performance, day-on-day day improvement yeah. in mm-hmm. performance. So this formula that I talk about, P plus Q equals P, people plus quality equals performance, that's exactly what they adopted. And consequently, they have had this relationship now with the supermarket for several years now. As a result of that, they've actually created other big companies, uh, big names that you would recognise uh, that have become offshoots that's of this fantastic sandwich. fantastic because company. they've invested in their people, which they've is where it's at. in the people. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, for any organisation, 80% of your budget is spent on your people. Mm-hmm. Now, if correlate that back to your home, if you were to look at what you spend 80% of your money on, it's normally your house, your biggest purchase or your house, your car, you might buy a boat or whatever else. Are you not going to look after those objects? Of course you are. So why are we not looking after the people who are our greatest assets and our greatest expenditure in a business? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I say, it's a, it's a, it is that value, looking after them and yeah, and getting that the best out of people as a result because you do want to look after what you value, don't yeah, you? Absolutely. absolutely. And I often say, you know, uh, stop focusing in, uh, on, on the outputs such as uh, diversity and, uh, you know, recruitment targets and so forth and so on. Focus in on creating the right culture and you will find that you become an employer of choice and people will want to come to your organisation. Absolutely. And not just want to come to your organisation, they'll want to stay in your organisation. Absolutely. If you're enjoying the Harnessing Happiness podcast, there are plenty of free resources available for download at sarahjnaylor.com, where you can also find out more about her APE mindset. It's all about acceptance, perspective, and energy. Just visit sarahjnaylor.com. So we've talked about sort of culturally business and organisations, but what and keeping people happy. But what makes you a happy person, Cole? <laughs> <laughs> what makes me a happy person? Uh, uh, Quite simply, living a simpler life as possible, mm-hmm. not focusing on, 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 on the complicated issues in life unless you have to deal with them. And of course, when you have to deal with these issues, you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but following my passion, yes. uh, it, yeah. that keeps me as happy as Larry, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. You know, I'm 55 years old now and I feel fitter, happier than I've ever felt in my life. I feel energized purely and simply because I'm following something that I'm really passionate about. And I want to, the legacy that I'd love to leave behind is that I've helped to create organizations where they have such phenomenal cultures that people from around the world want to join those organizations and stay in those organizations uh, but we can create this ripple effect across our communities as well that following your passion is something that I'm passionate about encouraging in other people and we both know how important it is yeah. to be in flow with your your passions your talents and and sort of your that you're connecting with your purpose and you're in doing that you fulfill your potential and that's something that I've throughout all my life you know in working in recruitment and working as a coach with clients it's enabling and getting people to get that clarity to have that to connect with that and surprisingly sometimes some people don't get that and you know we've both trained 
years ago with the mm. same coaching organisation, coach training organisation. And it's, it's understanding what it is and helping people to understand that. And you get that by you, when you're talking to people and they will change their physiology, the way they talk, but they might not have recognised that previously. But once you've actually got that and you trigger into you, you you've you've identified it and you can trigger it and you understand what it is that you're passionate about, there's always going to be a career aligned with it. And once you are aligned with your talents and your passions, you can go on like you have done to integrate that into what you're doing to help change the world. Because actually, we're all here to serve in one way or another, aren't yes. we? We're all here to do our bit to make the world a better place. How have you used that positive mindset yourself? To overcome challenging situations in your life? Um, do you know, there's one certainty in life. And the one certainty in life that you get to understand probably when you get to our age is that uh, you, life is full of challenges. And, <laughs> oh, yes. You know, <laughs> oh, and yes. <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot travel down that road of life without coming across some pothole or bump or even major diversion. It happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens to the best of us. Uh, and part of emotional intelligence is developing emotional resilience. Mm-hmm. So last year, for example, I was so busy with lots of organizations reaching out to me and saying, can you do some training? Can you do some keynote speaking around developing emotional resilience for all of our staff who are currently working away from the office? They're working from home. They're in isolation. Uh, they're anxious. Uh, they're watching the news and seeing all these deaths, etc., 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 etc. And there was lots of anxiety last mm. year. Oh, absolutely! You know, lots of uncertainty, lots of anxiety, and uh, so consequently, I was working with all of these people and helping them develop their emotional intelligence skills to help build their emotional re- resilience. Mm-hmm. And part of resilience comes from the level of passion that you have for what Mm. you're doing in the first place. Yes. Uh, And I see passion as the fuel in your tank Mm -hmm. to help you drive forward despite the challenges that you experience in life. And that's sort of what has guided me through my entire life. Yeah. Uh, And I've I've, I've come across many, many challenges, both professionally and personally, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm not one to give up. And uh, (laughs) I, I believe that whatever there's something for me to do here I've got to continue no absolutely I'm completely completely with you on that I mean I think I like personally to to learn from situations so when a challenge does come up it's like right okay well how can I do this differently how can I approach this how can I shift my perspective it might be COVID (laughs) it didn't it Mm. and everything changed and I had to sort of accept that shift my perspective and change channel my energy accordingly but it's it's having that approach and and learning and adapting and changing things so the next time it comes up you're already um tooled you've already got you've had that experience because unfortunately i think there's a big culture um that has evolved i think because of this perfection through instagram and things like that that you've got to be the person that's successful is the person with 50 million likes but they actually they can't then cope with the success because it's been from zero to a 50 million likes but then what happens in between and those all of those knocks that you have it is about learning stuff it is about how you then shape and change your personality it's how about you how you deal with things and that mindset and approach because I mean I remember going through two or three years ago recruitment in my recruitment business I was just like, every time I had one challenge, I was like, right, I've dealt with that. And something else chucked its head above the parapet. Mm. I'm going, really? You are having a laugh, aren't you? But you just, 
keep going you go right I need to deal with this I need to work out and it's solution focused outcome thinking you know it's what can I do differently how can I get that result that I want to get what do I need to change about my own behavior to generate the result because you can't force other people to change yes because people have to have that readiness for change and and I think you know you've touched upon uh, one of the biggest fears that I come across is this fear of failure Mm -hmm. so many people will procrastinate procrastinate not do something they might be passionate about it but they won't do anything because they're so petrified of failing yeah and what that failure might look like and for me i i see failure as like one of the best lessons that you can ever have in life you know you could go to university Mm -hmm. and spend thousands of pounds per year for three or four years and perhaps not learn the kind of lessons that you learn when you come across failure it's a free lesson and the key here is to learn from it absolutely and not repeat those same mistakes over and over again exactly exactly and I think there's a saying that there's no such thing as um failure only feedback and i think that's so very very true because like you've just said there's always going to be something you've learned from it because you you don't necessarily learn from doing things the right way the first time but yes. you certainly learn about doing them incorrectly i mean i was having uh, a conversation just recently about <laughs> about my first driving test and I learned that you don't open your mouth before and ask the driving um, test test examiner whatever they call themselves <laughs> which way you want me to turn onto a dual carriageway no <laughs> that's great yeah so of course the next time around you didn't ask oh no you just, just stayed quiet yes it's like right okay <laughs> think engage engage brain before opening mouth <laughs> but you see sometimes you do that out of nerves don't you but if that a driving instructor I don't know if they automatically had to fail you on that. But if they had any emotional intelligence and any, any levels of empathy, they might have said, well, do you know what, that comment, we're going to put that comment down to her nerves. Yeah. She's not actually doing anything wrong. She just said something that exactly, might be Exactly, exactly. That was 1987, yeah. though, Cole. I mean, times yeah, have changed. Yeah, times have changed. Goodness gracious. In fact, no, I think I, t- I, tell a, I tell a big porky. I think it was actually 1983 or 84, probably. So times have changed yeah. considerably since yeah. then. Thankfully, and, uh, that is what we're here for. We are here to evolve. We are here yes, to learn. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're so much further along than we were decades ago, but there's still so much to learn. And actually, that is the beauty of learning, isn't it? Once you get to a stage, something else reveals itself that needs to be learned as well. Uh, and the truth of it, Sarah, is that we have to continuously evolve and evolution requires us to learn. Yeah. Uh, and if if there are organisations or individuals out there that think, do you know what? I'm just going to carry on doing what I've done for the last 20 years. Nobody's going to shake me. Well, you might be in for a rude awakening. Because we're Mm -hmm. living in this world, it's very often termed as this VUCA world. And VUCA is a mnemonic, basically it means volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. Uh, And that was a phrase that was brought about in the 1980s with a lot of leadership trainers out there. But it has never been truer than it is today. And this VUCA world, we've seen the volatility over the Mm. last two years. The uncertainty, the complexity and the ambiguity. But if you think this change is slowing down, it's not. It's pace, It's pacing up. Oh, it's crying. really speeding up because, you know, globalization is almost instantaneous. Last year, we had a prime example with George Floyd's death. Mm. We had a man that was brutally murdered. Let's be honest, brutally murdered by awful. police officers. Yeah. Uh, and I know many police officers around the world, including, including here in the UK, were angered at mm-hmm. that 
because they saw somebody who's wearing that uniform and everything it represented uh, doing that to another human being. The impact that that had on the world within days. Yes. There were yes. even protests in places like Syria who had their own issues going on. Wow. You know, yeah. and I, I was blown away. But that is how fast the world is moving. Absolutely. Uh, so we're not slowing down. We're not going to stop changing. And therefore, we should not stop evolving. No, absolutely. I mean, th- w- what is there if we do decide to stop evolving? I mean, I just, I, I love embracing personal development myself. And I think, you know, as you do, and as you sort of raise your sort of level of awareness, more things, as I say, come to a fore. But you, you, you become more observant. You become more aware as, as you open yourself up to mm-hmm. more learning and hopefully I say in a way we do and what we're doing is, is you then sort of want to get on board and help other people but it's not about forcing change upon people it's about doing what you can to enlighten them through changing your own behavior then people might see that you're getting different results because of what you're doing yes um, and then they perhaps would want to do that because there's a lot of people that do want to follow and hopefully what we're doing will encourage other people to and I say with what I'm doing with the podcast here as well and it, you know having the conversation that we're ha- we're having that will go out globally so you know with contacts with 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 podcasts they go out globally and if you know it's having people having that conversation it's that ripple effect I'm not being very eloquent with my words this morning <laughs> or this afternoon or wherever we are in the day right now but it is it's that ripple effect so when you you have that conversation that ripples out sort of energetically yeah. and the more we can do from a positive perspective and from a personal development perspective and how we can encourage others that is the way forward in terms of bringing it back around to sort of that happiness which is ultimately what we both want for the world what top tips would you have for the listeners to sort of harness happiness in their life um well i would say first and foremost only do what you're passionate about doing Mm -hmm. you know uh, you've got to wake up every single morning and bounce out of bed you've got to have the ability to do that uh so you know i wake up every single morning and i am literally excited about what's going to go on whether that's me going for my morning walk whether that's me going to the gym whether that's me going for an interview or i'm delivering a session on emotional intelligence i'm excited about everything that i do in my life so i think that level of anticipation that excitement and that passion is very very important the other thing i would say is one of the worst critics that we'll ever come across in our lives is ourselves mm-hmm. and we beat ourselves up you know we if we saw somebody bullying somebody else we would not be happy and many of us would probably intervene or do something about it but we can bully ourselves every single day <laughs> oh yes <laughs> so we need to be n- no nonsense we need to have a zero tolerance no nonsense approach to that we need to stop doing that we need to reframe and change the language that we have inside our own heads we need to see ourselves sometimes with the eyes of other people because there are lots of lo- people around you who love you who look at you and think you're amazing but if you're not thinking you're amazing, maybe you need to adopt their their perception of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, I would say, live to work or work to live, that is a balance that you need to create in your life. Yes. Uh, yeah. Some of us just throw ourselves into our work or they throw themselves into a hobby or they throw themselves into something which can become a distraction from the things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Life is about balance. Life is about doing everything and doing everything with the same amount of energy. So create as much balance in your life as possible, including the things that you don't really need to do because sometimes they are the things that need to be done. Oh, does that mean I have to clean my house still, Cole? Unfortunately so. <laughs> oh, damn! <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. And I've been an advocate of balance in my life for, for, for a very, very long time. I mean, every so often 
and this is the beauty of it you know I do go off track because I do get myself find myself thrown into things and you know we're on this path we're on this journey there are so many things that can distract that you can take you off path and take I mean I've had you know an experience more recently you know I found myself sort of down I call them wormholes and actually social media can be a bit of a wormhole in itself but you can you can pull yourself back in you can rein yourself back in but actually having that passion like you've said that makes you want to leap out of bed is it's just magical and that's how I generally live my life like you live yours however this thing that had taken me off track had sort of started to cloud that and that's just that is just so not me but it's important to recognize when you don't feel congruent with yourself and what you do then need to do to readjust and get yourself back in line and to take that time out and that space of time and you know this is a learning lesson for me as well is to have a bit more time to meditate to give myself that clear yeah. space of time just so you're not distracted you're away from everything just to process whether you journal whether you meditate or whether you just simply have a walk out in nature just to sort of find yourself and get yourself back into internal alignment to go right okay what is it that I actually want to do what is it I want to achieve what do I need to change how do I need to sh- how do I need to shift things because it's usually the smallest thing, isn't it? It's the yes. smallest bit, like you're saying about the mindset, the positive mindset, shifting something into that sort of self-dialogue, what you're talking to yourself about. And go, ah, I've noticed that trigger me. I need to switch that. Well, next time it does that, no, I'm going to override that and think differently. And then you go, yay, <laughs> I'm leaping mm-hmm. back out of bed again. Or you're being attacked by the cats because we both have cats, <laughs> don't we? And they bring joy as well to our they lives. They do indeed, they do. <laughs> I live by the quote of uh, Jim Rohn that you become the average of the five people that you, uh, whose company you keep most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I really had to question long and hard, who do I speak to more than anybody else? And are they supporting me? Are they lifting me up? Or are they bringing me down? I, I also add to that a phrase that I use, uh, that I came up with, and that is I connect with like-minded people, but I only ever truly work with like-valued people. Ooh. And uh, so for me, since I started doing that, I have found that when you connect or you operate with like-valued people, your relationship is going to be much deeper. Yes. And yeah. when you have a deeper relationship, there's a deeper level of trust. When there's a deeper level of trust, there's a deeper level of performance. And I think I we really ought to finish on that point because mm. that is absolutely fabulous. I really, really like that. So it's not just like-minded, it's like-valued people. So folks, yeah, do take note of that because actually it is so, so true and so important. Take a look around you and who you're with. You want to be with people that value, have the same values and want to lift you up and support you rather than pull you down and trample on you. Because actually being around people that lift you up is just great and you can give what you give out, you get back and what they give out, they get back and it raises the vibrational frequency. Thank you so much, Cull. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. It's been it's been absolutely brilliant. So how do people get in touch with you? Well, quite simply, you can email me uh, at uh, kul, K-U-L, at kulmahay, K-U-L-M-A-H-A-Y.com, or pop onto our website, www.igniteyourinnerpotential.com, and we're hoping to have an Ignite Your Inner Potential event next April. Keep your eyes out for it. We're hoping to get 700 people 
raving in his hall wow. and you know you're talking about happiness this yeah. is one of the happiest places you've been to the event, i've been you? it's brilliant and we're folks. gonna make it bigger and better because we have to make up for the fact that we didn't exactly we able to do it folks get on the waiting list <laughs> i went to i think it was the second one you did cole yeah um, grown so two much. or three years ago it might even be long i don't know time disappears you have to make the most of life folks one thing you can't get back is time and cole's event is just awesome i was up there doing some bangra dancing who knew <laughs> <laughs> It was brilliant. I think I need to have some nice, brightly coloured um, sari on next time yeah, <laughs> to really it. go That'd for it. Nice. Oh, but it's been brilliant. Thank you again so Thank much, you. Cole. And this has been me, Sarah, Jane Naylor at Harnessing Happiness. Uh, and uh, enjoy. And thank you for listening. And please do subscribe or follow whatever it is on your uh, your platform and rate review as well, because I love to hear from you. So thank you so much again. And thank you, Cole. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.